0: Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who
1: share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending
0: quest for channel knowledge and adventure.
1: Hello, channel pros. Welcome to Channel Journeys. This is Rob Spee, your host and channel enthusiast. Thanks so much for listening. It is almost Halloween, but I promise you won't have any tricks, only treats on today's episode. As I mentioned in my last episode, I'm super excited to have a new sponsor for Channel Journeys, Magentrix. They are a specialist in creating web portals with full integration with Salesforce What really impresses me is how quickly they can stand up a super rich PRM for all the key elements that you need to automate a robust partner program. Things like deal registration, pricing and quoting, dynamic content delivery, incentive tracking for both referral commissions and reseller discounts. They can do training and certifications, include gamification and and really a ton more. So you can check them out at Magentrix.com. Or go to the Salesforce App Exchange, and there that you'll see they have a five-star rating review. And if you're looking to build or replace your PRM or partner portal, I highly recommend that you go check them out. I have a special offer for you to share at the end of today's show. Well, today's guest just happens to be Paul Bird, who is the Salesforce enthusiast and portal wizard at Magentrix. Paul and I talk about the top channel management mistakes that many vendors make, and he shares some big opportunities for you in partner automation. Are you ready for a great show? Let's go. Hey, Paul, good afternoon and welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, Rob. How are you? I am super. I'm fired up to, to talk with you, and I, I love podcasting interviews, so this is fantastic. A little bit of break to the day after being on Zoom all day. How about you?
0: Absolutely. Looking forward to it.
1: Great, great. Well, where do we find you? Where are you hunkered down?
0: Well, I'm uh, based in the lovely city of Toronto. Uh, Fortunately, the cold weather hasn't quite set in yet, but we know it's coming towards the end of the year. We know it's coming, but uh, nice and shiny and about 70 degrees today, so I'll take it.
1: Oh, man, yeah. I I lived in Boston. We we survived three winters in Boston before we hightailed it to Florida, so I don't know how you do it.
0: Well, I've had enough of the polar vortex. Be happy to move to a, a warmer climate, that's for sure.
1: Well, come on down to Alpharetta, Georgia. We've we got a nice nice mix here of winter and summer and not too, too extreme.
0: Absolutely. Beautiful city.
1: It is. Well, first off, Paul, maybe you can just give us a quick overview. Who is Magentrix and what is your role? What are you working on there?
0: Sure. So I lead sales operations at Magentrix. They've given me the name, the Portal Wizard. And essentially, in a nutshell, what Magentrix does is it allows companies to take their, uh, extend their their system of record, their CRM system, to create portals for uh, their their partner network, and whether these are you know your traditional value-added partners and distributors or affiliates or even non-transacting partners that we see uh, like influencers, uh, we give them that environment where they can quickly stand up a portal and start collaborating with their, uh, with their channel partners.
1: Interesting. There's been a lot of talk about influencers and influencer programs on this show. Are you seeing more of that? I think we're still
0: seeing a lot of organizations trying to make sure that whatever is going on within their partner network from a transactional perspective, that they have a system that integrates with their CRM system seamlessly. I think that when they start looking at the future and more long-term goals, this is where they start looking at more of those non-transacting type partners and how to best engage them and, and leverage their expertise to promote their brand.
1: Yeah, I was just talking about that today on a team call that we had and, and looking at building out an influencer program next year. And we haven't even got to thinking about how, what kind of portal would we even provide for those guys. So that's, that's an interesting topic.
0: And this is all about creating a, a safe collaboration space where people have one place to go to communicate, to be able to review information or collateral that's being produced by the brand and really give some feedback and start looking from a strategy perspective what they can do to you know really be an influencer and a subject matter expert in the market.
1: Interesting. So... With your role, what, what, what is the title Wizard Portal Wizard? Yeah, I'm the portal wizard for Magentrix. <laughs> you must be speaking to a lot of different vendors then in, in your position.
0: We do. We talk to a lot of different vendors across you know multiple industries. You know technology is really our, our core, uh, but we have uh, fintech companies, uh, manufacturing, healthcare, that have all adopted Magentrix for their kind of indirect go-to-market strategies.
1: What are you seeing, and maybe just you know, kind of a post-COVID, or I guess we're still, we are still in COVID, uh, in this new normal? What are you seeing as some of the biggest challenges that the the companies you're talking to are facing?
0: Well, I think the biggest challenge they're facing is how to connect with their partner channel and and their end users. You know, all of our events have have uh, dissipated. We're not doing those trade shows or in-person events anymore, so now they have to start finding creative ways to reach and connect with their with their audience. And uh, it's been a challenge. I know a lot of people have diverted funds that would typically go to uh, uh, to events and moved it into creating these self-service portals for their for their partner network.
1: Yeah, that is a huge challenge, and. So I, I guess I hadn't even thought about. It. I th- we think we talk a lot about you know webinars, digital events, and what can we do digital selling, social selling, but haven't thought so much about the role of your portal and that maybe it plays a different role in this new normal remote world. Is that is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you know it it really goes beyond just that traditional. I need a portal so I can do deal reg and pipeline and you know MBF and QBRs. Now it's really about, I need a space where I can communicate directly with my channel in in an online environment because I'm not going to their office and having those face-to-face meetings anymore.
1: Is there like a, a chat element to it, you know, real-time engagement that you're talking about?
0: Absolutely. So we have a number of ways to be able to communicate and collaborate with channel, whether it's in a discussion forum that is all real-time using chat functionality, having almost like a a question and answer, you know, discussion board that they can leverage and they can bring this right to the record level. So they can start having the same communication when they're working a deal and keep it as one kind of, you know, tactical overview of what they're working on. But then again, in the same environment, they're able to have a social media style feed where they can communicate and collaborate with a greater section of their channel if need be.
1: Interesting. I had a rep approach me on our team not too long ago, and he's saying, Rob, it'd really be easy, really be nice if we had a Slack channel so that I could bring in the partner, bring in my my solution architect, You know, and we could have just a, a real-time chat. Is that really what you're describing there?
0: Well, there's a couple of different ways. For people that don't already have a collaboration solution like Slack, mm-hmm. then they can use one that's native inside of Magentrix. Okay. However, one of the things that we did earlier this year is really build a robust integration with Zapier or Zapier, if you're happier using Zapier, that's how I got to remember it. <laughs>
1: happier, <But> with <laughs>
0: happier with Zapier. Happier with Zapier, and that allows us to connect to over, you know, there's 2000 different platforms supported within the, the Zapier marketplace and Slack is one of them. So we can do things like, you know, something's happening in the portal, post it right into the Slack channel, and vice versa. Okay. So really taking advantage of all the technologies that are available on the market to integrate them within a single platform.
1: Interesting. So that's one of the big challenges you're seeing, how to drive more engagement when you can't be out in the field with your partners. Anything else that you're, you're seeing pop up?
0: And a lot of it is about channel enablement. You know, mm-hmm. it, I spent half of my career working in the channel and I'm probably going to have four or five different partner portals that I'm going to have to deal with within my, you know, my grouping of vendors that I'm offering. Yeah. So it really is about making it as easy as possible for the channel partner to find what they need. And even things like dynamic content targeting, you know, being able to say, all right, you're in this industry, you're in this stage of, uh, of the opportunity, bringing the content to the partner, don't make them go, your environment looking for the content they need. You know how to sell your product the best, so bring them what they need when they're going to need it the most.
1: And not just hey, you're at this stage of the sales cycle, but you're at this you're at 40% in a healthcare opportunity, so we're going to spin up this healthcare specific content for you.
0: That's exactly right. And and that really is the type of, you know, engagement and enablement that brands need to consider to get the most out of their uh, investment into the channel.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that vertical element is super important as companies are looking more and more towards you know buying on the business side and they want industry specific vertical knowledge. And that's what we look for in our partners.
0: 100%. Absolutely.
1: Excellent. What about some of the mistakes that you see folks making out there? What are some of the, the biggest channel mistakes that you see vendors making?
0: Well, I think at least when it comes to partner portals, this idea or mentality that build it and they'll come, right? If we stand up a portal, all of a sudden, we're gonna get all these people logging in and engaging with our, our content and, and engaging with our people. And that's not really the case. What it really takes is a great strategy around you know how to build that mind share and wallet share within the the partner community. So I think the, the biggest mistake i see from a, a portal perspective is the fact that they simply don't have an engagement strategy with their treating their, their partner network as a community and really consistently engaging with them.
1: That's kind of funny, Paul, because I, I talk a lot and I'm a huge advocate of developing your channel strategy before you build your channel. And I'm probably guilty too of just jumping in and building a portal before having a portal strategy.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's key to having a successful partner portal, a successful partner strategy is to to know, look, if I'm a partner and I show up, what am I here to do? And are you making it as easy as possible for me to do business with you? Because that's really what we're all looking for, right? Yeah, We want to have the partners picking our solution, our offering first, over other offerings that are in the market.
1: Yeah, I've had multiple partners tell me when I ask them, you know, what what are what makes a great vendor and they say, ease of business. Make it they'll switch vendors if you're not easy to work with.
0: And I think there's a lot of loyalty that comes into that as well as far as brand loyalty. You know, if if they are true to the channel, you hear about companies that go pure channel and I tell you, there's there's nothing easier to lose your channel partners by just taking a deal direct. Because if you're 100% channel and you built that loyalty with your channel partners, then make sure that uh, that you stay on track.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So there's no field of dreams when it comes to portals. If you build it, they're not necessarily going to come. So no, you, they won't. Your, your strategy. You got to think about how they're going to engage in the portal and then design that experience that's just super easy for them.
0: For sure. And and just looking at the you know some of the other mistakes people make. Uh, i think that you know not having solid relevant content is really uh key as well you know it, it's the the hardest thing about uh you know creating your channel strategy is to make sure you've got good supporting content so you can enable those partners to be successful and it's time consuming and it's difficult so i think that in addition to that channel strategy the, you know, the, the content you're creating and delivering to your channel partners is really key as well. And, and I, I don't see everyone hitting the mark with it. Some companies do it really well. Some struggle with, uh, with putting together good, relevant, timely content.
1: Do you think that content has to be any different than the content you're developing for your direct sales force? I don't
0: think so. You know, I think it has to be content that's easy to consume. You know, producing a 75-page white paper uh, is probably not going to, to really help the partner be successful. So I think it's about easy, quick-to-consume content that is informative, and it's the same content that you could use for your direct sales team. You just want to make sure that if you're providing it to your partners, that you're also giving them the ability to brand it with their own, their own logo. And i was going ask information. You, So that co-brandable is a really another strategy that uh, that more brands should adopt.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you, how important is that that the partners can slap their their own brand on it?
0: Well, I think it's it's best for the for the brand itself. I mean, if the vendor is maintaining brand control and you know enabling the partners to put their logo on it in the place that the vendor is determining, then it's going to prevent the reseller from downloading the PDF file and changing the whole look and feel of it so they can get their logo in there.
1: So right, I think it's right. really
0: key that they have these pre-templated, easy to, to brand documents that they can quickly access and, and use for their marketing.
1: That should be automated or made super easy to do within the portal itself?
0: 100%. Should be point and click. There shouldn't be, we shouldn't have the partners jumping through any hoops at all. Just give me a list of co-brandable content, grab it and go.
1: We were talking about spinning up content at the right stage of the sales cycle. Can you jump in there and co-brand that like in real time? Hey, I need that specific document.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the way that Magentrix handles it is we start looking for variables within uh, some kind of transactional record or on some kind of page, and then we can serve content accordingly. All of that content is identified at which ones can be co-branded and which ones can't be. So if they've got an identified document, they've already added their logo, they just click, download it, and go.
1: Nice, nice. What other big mistakes are you seeing?
0: Well, I think, you know, in addition to kind of this build it and they'll come or not having good content, it's really not treating your channel partners like they are your most important VIPs and that they get treated like employees versus the most important Customer that that they have, because when you've gone pure channel, your uh, avenue to being able to uh, access the market is through those channel partners. So you have to treat them like they are the most important people in your network.
1: So when when I tell our sales team, hey, treat these partners like you're they're your sales reps, is am I off? Is that is that a mistake? Because then I'm we are kind of treating them like they're our employees.
0: Absolutely, you got to treat them like they are the most important whale of a customer because if you keep giving them kind of that red carpet VIP treatment, then I think what you'll find is that uh, you'll get you'll get that mind share and that most importantly that wallet share from them because they're treated so well.
1: uh-huh that's that's interesting. and that I, I have I don't think I've been pushing that hard enough on all the folks that work with the, with our partners to take that mindset but it's, that's an important one.
0: I had mentioned that uh, you know I spent half my career in the channel, but the early part of my career, I spent building channel. And One of the greatest ways that I was able to uh, to build my, my channel partner network was anytime I came across a new opportunity, first thing I'd ask that uh, end user prospect, who do you buy hardware and software from? Yeah. and they would share the information i'd call them up and say look i'm just returning one of the sheep to the flock and i tell you they would uh, always answer my call and were definitely the, the, the most responsive of channel partners that i had when i returned one of their customers to
1: them that's really cool paul I, you know we might tend to give the ceo of the partner company the sales vp the red carpet treatment but probably not their sales reps and
0: those are the guys that are on the front lines. Fighting every day to to get into new accounts, so they're the ones that I want to get their their attention and let them know how much I appreciate them.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you're going to stand out uh, amongst the other vendors, and so for building MindShare and that rep, treat him well.
0: Absolutely, couldn't agree more.
1: I should say treat him or her well.
0: We have to treat all of our channel partners uh, like they are, you know, just uh, uh, so important to the business because they are. I mean, yeah. without their effort, uh, then we don't see you know new opportunities being coming in. We don't see good pipeline from them, and it uh, it becomes a challenge to to build the build the channel.
1: Yeah, absolutely, excellent. Any others that you that you're noticing?
0: Well, I think uh, another uh, mistake that I see some people make really comes around you know training and certification. So you know making sure that that partners are trained, certified. And these programs have been going on a long time, but unfortunately, a lot of them are disconnected. So you have this separate training system that you're using to educate partners because you can't do in-person training anymore. And it's not fully integrated with the whole channel profile, the profile of the user inside of the portal. So one of the things that Magentrix has done is actually we have a a built-in learning management system that fully integrates with the whole platform. And what we find is that people that are leveraging that, making sure that partners stay on top and keep uh, you know, keep renewing their training year after year, end up having a, a more self-sufficient channel partner because they know the product and service offering so well.
1: Have you seen anyone set it up so that the partner could come in, they see the learning path, they do the learning, and then there's a direct link to get the actual certification, which is probably another party, you know, a third-party certification company.
0: Well, for us, the certs are built right in. Soon as they finish the course of the learning path and they've earned the cert, it shows up in their email and they could download a PDF of it directly inside of the portal.
1: Okay, so if, if like going to Prometrics and taking a certification test is part of the learning path, you just build that in?
0: Exactly, and we can integrate with third-party platforms as well. But I think, uh, you know, that, that good education strategy is one that, uh, that more companies should be leveraging.
1: Yeah. That's a big area of opportunity. I think for vendors to take a lot of friction out of the process and just have one seamless flow. And sometimes it may require even ordering because a lot of times partners have to pay for that certification exam, but if they for could sure. just, they could just enter their credit card and just boom, be done with it.
0: And away they go. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Very nice. You know, one th- one thing I I struggle with is just not so much with my current company, which is fantastic, but I've in the past, you know, vendors that are so afraid of taking risks, you know, in, in experimenting in the in the channel. What are you what are you seeing in, in the appetite for maybe piloting new approaches and that type of thing?
0: Well, I think from a marketing perspective, we've been doing it for years. You know, this concept of A B A B D C E F G testing to see what uh, what works best is it's something that uh, we need to adopt when it comes to, you know, building and, and managing our channel as well. You'll never know if there's a better way to do something unless you try it. So as long as it's a calculated risk and you're not uh, risking the, the business, then all for giving it a try. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You told me a funny story when we were chatting last time about a, a road trip, a partner road trip you made. Tell us Tell us about that more.
0: I did this was uh, I was trying to rebuild a, a, a channel for a software company out of New Jersey so I decided to take um, three weeks and visit every single channel partner between Boston and Miami and, how, many,
1: uh, how many partners are we talking about
0: we're talking about f- like 55 60 partners it, it was it was pretty crazy in fact one of our Vendors in Boston told me I was crazy, (laughs) but I went, visited all of them, sat in their office, got an idea of, you know, where their business was and, you know, how we could be a a good partner to help them grow their business. And it's, you know, it, it was a a watershed moment for the company I was working for. All of a sudden it started, we started reaping the rewards of having that face-to-face contact in the office. Then a few years later, the same guy that told me I was crazy for for doing it asked me if he could come along. So, you know, but it's an example of you know we need to be able to do the things that not everyone's going to do in order to get people's attention. And at that time, it was hey, let's uh, let's do five a day. We could do it and spend spend a few weeks on the road. So, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. That's for sure.
1: Did you get an RV to do that?
0: Nope, just rented a car it really? was uh, It was an interesting one. There was two of us, and i I think by the end of it, my colleague was a little sick and tired of seeing me and <laughs> I know he I know he took a a number of uh, rounds of golf off me if that probably made the time a little bit uh, easier so
1: I was, I, was gonna, I thought you were gonna say yeah, he took a month off after that to recover
0: <laughs> <laughs> we We all needed a lot of recovery after that it was uh, It was definitely a, a pretty intense uh, trip that we took.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. You know, maybe when the we we get through this COVID lockdown, there might be a lot of channel managers who want to take on a project like that and just get get on the road and go visit 55 partners.
0: A- absolutely. I think that, you know, when we're in an environment where it's safe to do so, I think all of us will be yearning for that that face-to-face again because it it has definitely been a year where, you know, we're all a lot of us are working remotely, we're not having that direct interaction with our, our colleagues, our customers, or our, our channel partners. You know, I, I think that it doesn't you know, the Zoom face to face is great, but I don't nothing replaces that in person conversation that you get that's not behind a screen.
1: Yeah, I hear so many, you know, fellow channel chiefs saying the exact same thing. They're just dying to get back out there and and, and meet with the partners. Now you touched on this a little bit earlier, but what do you think are the, some of the bigger opportunities for vendors when it comes to partner automation?
0: Well, I think that this is a great opportunity right now to be able to, you know, connect and have, you know, more one-on-one <laughs> Zoom conversations with partners to see what you can do to enable their business. And once you have an understanding of, you know, how you can make their lives easier, you can bring that back into your your partner strategy and create levels of automation. You know, maybe it comes down to something where, you know, I'd really like to have, let's say, you know, automated proposals, so they can come in to their their portal, be able to look at an opportunity they're working on, and when it's time, just click a button and have it automatically generate that proposal that is brand approved with the latest and greatest information. Uh, that they can now deliver to their to their customer, their client. Um, so I, I think there is an opportunity since we're not as distracted right now to be able to get an idea of you know calling these channel partners and copying on the Zoom meetings and say, you know, what is it that I can do to help mm-hmm. your business? Yeah. And then once they gather that feedback, then to be able to look at all right, how can I make this dead easy? For somebody inside of my my portal, or however else I'm going to, you know, deliver this service. But I think it's something that that vendors don't do enough is uh, is really getting back to their channel partners and finding out. Look, help me understand your business and what can I do to make it better.
1: Yeah, you know that makes me think. You know, you said if some people have the mistaken thought that if you build it, they will come. I think there's also a mistake we make that if you can build it. Let's do it. So you start adding too much sometimes to the portal that partners may not e- not even want.
0: That's true. It's uh, something that we hear all the time. Is that you know if they try to take on you know the entire project all at once, it takes a lot longer for you to deliver something. Where if you you know stand up something that gives the partners what they need, then collect their feedback and start rolling out more functionality for them. Then uh, they'll stay engaged, and the portal will stay fresh.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned being able to to provide a partner with a with a custom quote online. That that's actually something we were just chatting about and have a need for. How how quickly can you stand that up?
0: Well, really, it just comes down to do you have the content ready? Do you have the quote quote content ready? If you mm-hmm. do, from from the Magentrix perspective, you simply upload it into the platform, create a little button, and it'll pull off your you know, merge any any data that you have in your CRM system that's related to the partner, along with your content, and generates a PDF file. Could take uh, if it's, that content's ready to go, it could be done in minutes.
1: And if you're using a CPQ tool,
0: uh, can... it just again comes down to the system of record, yep. as a Salesforce or a Microsoft Dynamics. So whatever that uh, CPQ tool is uh, is doing inside of the the CRM system or any values that are coming out, at least with Magentrix, we pick it up right away.
1: Gotcha. And does that require the, the Happier with Zapier integration or is it just straight to Salesforce?
0: That, uh, that, that's native out of the box. Uh, not, <laughs> uh, no need for, for, for Zapier. If it was a, if it was a third party you know, CPQ tool, then we'd have to look at you know, what's the easiest way for us to integrate with it. And that may require using Zapier.
1: Gotcha. Any other big things come to mind in terms of opportunities for partner automation?
0: Well, I think one thing we've seen emerging for the last couple of years is the ability to provide rewards and incentives to partners mm-hmm. and identifying what are the behaviors that I want to see the partners do and then, you know, create a a reward for it. You know, show them a leaderboard where they stand versus the rest so they can get their competitive juices going. and. Yeah. What I've seen, in, probably in the last uh, 12 months, is now allowing partners to redeem some of those uh, those points that they gain for, you know, gift cards. Whether it's, uh, you know, your traditional vanilla Visa or maybe a Starbucks card or, you know, Domino's or something like that. And actually, was working with a channel organization very recently. Who really put in a a point to gift card strategy earlier this year. And the level of engagement they saw was like 3x over not having a, you know, a, a system to be able to allow partners to get an Amazon gift card or something for, for the work they're doing. So, you know, this whole idea of reward, reward redemption and gamification is definitely something that more brands should embrace.
1: That's funny. We were talking about that this morning too, the idea of how how we could really easily um, do that type of thing as a spiff to the partner sales reps.
0: For sure. And spits have been around for a long time. But I, th- I think uh, when it comes to at least for identifying, you know, what are the behaviors? Like, I'm not just going to put the, you know, the sheet on your desk that says, hey, sell 10 of these and, you know, you get X. But, you know, identify what additional behaviors. Maybe it's content. You want them engaging with your content. Maybe you want you, them sharing your content within their social media feeds, like really identify what behaviors are you trying to see from the partners and then reward them accordingly.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And is that done directly within Magentrix?
0: Everything's done within Magentrix. So we do have, uh, we've released earlier this year, rewards gamification and gift card redemption. We've tried to provide the core feature set of everything you would need within a partner relationship management platform. In one place, so you don't have to go to ten different vendors. You can get it all in one one spot.
1: Very cool. you, you said something that I that I wrote down that uh, was in our prior conversation. You said channel is a monster that you have to feed.
0: Yes, it is. It is. Well, here's here's the the thing. You really need to to look at how am I going to get my partner's attention, right? We talk about that mind share, and the best way to do it is to de- do demand generation for your partners and feed the beast. The more opportunities you're sending to the partner, the more mind share you're going to get. So, you know, I look at it that I have to keep doing demand generation for my partner channel so I can feed the, feed the monster and it grows. And that, that's got to be part of, again, back to the channel strategy is not only partner generated opportunities, but demand gen for those partners as well.
1: Mm hmm. Do you have an opinion on sort of how much the partner should be bringing back to you? I'm feeding him five opportunities this year. Should he be feeding me back five that he's finding? What, what's your thought on that?
0: Well, I think that changes depending on the vendor, the size of deal, the size of market, right? And that's mm-hmm. why we go through QBRs yep. is to be able to you know really look at our, our market, put together a sm- SWOT analysis, and see who's contributing. and you know, in some type of more transactional type of deals, I could expect to see more generated by the partner as opposed to the vendor. In larger opportunities, it could be a, an equal split. So I really think it depends on the sales model and the type of industry and, and going through those QBRs and getting an idea of, you know, what does this market look like and what can it produce?
1: Yeah, no, good point. Very good point. So, Paul, I always love to to learn more about my my guests on the personal side. And and first question I have for you is, how did you land in the channel? What's been your channel journey?
0: My first channel position, this goes back to uh, to two thousand nineteen ninety nine, <clears throat> was for a a small uh, company that had been around for about thirty years. Looking at how they. How they were selling, it really kind of interested me. They were using what was called the Lotus Same Time Server. So in 2000, we were doing web meetings like uh, you would use Zoom and, and uh, go to meeting for. But that also introduced me into this reseller network. And it was really interesting because I'd always done direct sales before, but now I had all of these relationships that I could build and all of these partners to sell at scale. And I got a little addicted to channel, I have to say. So, uh, it
1: happens to all of us, Paul.
0: (laughs) Even, you know, the little, uh, kind of deals that I worked in the past, but then this grew. And then I was dealing with CDW as a channel partner. And that is a huge monster that needs a lot of feeding.
1: A lot of feeding.
0: Doing the floor walks and, you know, talking to all the reps at uh, CDW is fantastic. And I really enjoyed. That time of, of building channel and and being completely new to it with new technology to use it was uh, it was really quite interesting and and uh, a great part of my career.
1: Awesome. What do you love most about what you're doing now?
0: You know, this is kind of the culmination of I spent so much time building channel and then I spent a lot of time working in the channel, so I've seen both sides. Yeah. So working at Magentrix, I can use you know, the technical skills that I've, I've gained over the years, uh, considered technical enough to be dangerous. But then I also appreciate the business relationships on both sides. You know, I've been in, in the channel and had people trying to get me to carry the product and service. And then I've been on the other side where I've had to, you know, knock on that door, go through and, and try to get them to, to adopt my offering into their
1: portfolio. Right, right. Oh, that's really cool. And what do you enjoy doing outside of uh, your portal wizardry?
0: Well, in, in a non-COVID area, I really like to travel and I've fallen in love with Costa Rica. It is probably the most beautiful place that I have ever been to and love taking my camera there, capturing some amazing pictures of, of wildlife. And hopefully one day I'll just pack up and get rid of the cold and just uh, find uh, find a spot on a beach where I can Pitch my tent there.
1: Awesome. Do you surf or you just take pictures?
0: Uh, no, not a surfer. Just, uh, just with the camera.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I have a couple of friends who are big surfers, and they they've they've got places down there. They love it.
0: It, it is absolutely one of the most beautiful places I've been to in the world, and uh, I, I've done a lot of traveling over the years, but uh, definitely want to head back as as soon as things uh, improve a little bit.
1: Yeah, I bet you miss it. Well, you've got to be kind of an adventurous type to do that. Fifty-five partner road trip from New England to Florida. Any other adventures that stand out for you?
0: Well, I've taken a lot of uh, road trips in the last few years, and I've driven Highway One from basically Portland to almost San Diego. But last year, I took a trip from through Oregon. So we were uh, in uh, Sacramento, drove up through Oregon, and driving from Bend, Oregon, to the coast. I went through this little area that when I first looked at it, it looked like there were, had been a forest fire that had ravaged everything. Everything looked like it was turned over soil. But then when I took a closer look and I read one of the signs, it was actually a 2,500-year-old lava field. But oh, I wow. swear, if you look at it, you would, you would think it was put there yesterday. And uh, I've never seen anything like it before in my life and took some great pictures and uh, would love to to get back there and, and see it again.
1: That's awesome. Well, just wrapping up, any last minute thoughts, maybe a channel tip for 2021 that's coming around the corner?
0: Well, I think tw- 2021 we've got to be prepared. I think that as our economies rebound and open back up, you know, we're really going to need to engage and make sure we build those strong relationships with our partners and then make sure that we understand how to engage them in the way that they want to be engaged. Make sure we get the right messages to the right people at the right time so we can all benefit in the
1: future. Yeah, fantastic. Paul, thank you so much for the great tips today. And also, I want to thank you and Magentrix, uh, my newest sponsor for the show. So shout out to you guys. Big thanks.
0: Thanks so much, Rob. I really appreciate the opportunity.
1: All right. Catch you later. Take care. All right, guys, another fun interview. Thank you so much, Paul, for sharing those valuable insights and tips on how to make it easier for partners to engage with you automatically. I plan on taking advantage of a number of those ideas. As always, you can find highlights of today's show on my website at channeljourneys.com CJ59. While you're there, be sure to subscribe. And if you enjoyed today's show, I'd really appreciate it if you could add a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Okay, I promised a special offer on Magentrix for my listeners. Check out Magentrix at magentrix.com. Reach out to Paul Bird on LinkedIn. And if you decide to try them out, you can receive two months free on an annual contract just by using the discount code SPEEPOD20. SPEEPOD20 is the discount code when you sign up. That's an awesome offer. All right, next episode will be number 60 for Channel Journeys. And I'm thinking about doing another solo episode where I'll share some of the best of the best from what I've learned in doing this show. So stay tuned for that. By then, who knows, we may actually know who will be the next president of the United States. So until then, hang on and have an awesome channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends and be sure to tune in for Rob's next
0: channel adventure.